0: And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of of the Lord, your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Now there's three words, Hebrew words here, it could be used, but the one I'm going to use is Rafa, R-A-P-H-A, Rapha, because I can pronounce it. <laughs> one of God's names. You know, God has a lot of names. And every time God gives you a name, he's telling you about his character. And here he's saying, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, that's a strange passage for Father's Day. But just stay with me. We are all made, the Bible tells us, in the image of God. He is our heavenly Father. We all have an earthly father. If you're here, believe me, you have a father. And your paternal father, you have his genes, whether you like it or not. And We tend to be somewhat like our earthly fathers. That's not always a good thing, is it? But see, many of us here have a hard time really understanding who God is. I know as a young man, I had some problems. I love my father. He's gone to be with the Lord. But my father was a pretty tough disciplinarian. And when I was younger and I thought about God, and I thought, see, we have this way of putting our earthly father into the position of God as a child. And my father, I thought of him like up there with a big hammer ready to hit me because my dad was, you do it right or you're in trouble. And so I always thought God was up there ready to get me. Anybody here ever had that thing? Nobody's like that. I'm the only one. Oh, a couple of you. Okay. So you understand what I'm talking about. Now, this message is not for everybody today because this is somewhat of a counseling message in a way. Uh, and in this passage in Exodus, God leads these people out of Egypt three days, and they're very thirsty, and they've had very little to drink, and as the three days goes on, they get thirsty and more thirsty, and, and it says, and, but they are grumbling, and they cry, and so Moses cries out, and God shows him a log, and he throws it in the water, and the, this bitter water becomes sweet. But then God makes a promise here after they drink the water. I will not put the diseases that I put on the Egyptians if you keep my statutes. For I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the God that healeth thee. Now all of us here, if you've lived very long, you've had some physical wounds, right? Some of you have been healed from physical wounds, I I've had a brain tumor. So if I say something strange today, uh, the people back home, they all say, Oh, well, you remember he had a brain tumor. So uh, when I got the brain tumor, everybody thought I went crazy, Joel. And I did. I came back, and I was a different man. God really spoke to me. in that. You know, when you get near death, seven hours of brain surgery, and I had 54 stitches, and I've got titanium on my head, and, and the doctor said, How in the world did you ever get... get through this without having a seizure. I said, I don't know. But I had a brain tumor the size of a large lemon, but I had kidney uh, kidney cancer last year. God has raised me up. So I know about physical healing and what God can do. But today I want to talk to you about deeper, a deeper wound than physical wound. I want to talk to you about the very deepest wounds that man can have. James chapter 5 verse 14 says, Let him call, or her, call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them. And I want you to notice here, it's the responsibility of the sick person to call. Did you know that? It's not the elders. As I was an elder and learned about this, and my daughter gave me some oil from uh, Israel, Jerusalem, that she brought back from her Holy Land trip, Uh, I would take that oil, but I wouldn't take it unless somebody called. It wasn't my responsibility to go to the sick person. It was for them to call and say, I need prayer, Pastor. And I would go to their home, and I would anoint them with that oil, and I would pray for them because that's what the Bible says to do. I have a question for you this morning. Who has the most faith? The one who prays and is healed and... Everything is great, or the one who prays and prays and prays for years and has never healed and yet believes. Think about that. Jesus said in John 20, verse 29, speaking to Thomas, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Job 13, verse 15 says, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Job had lost everything he had. And he was willing to trust God, even in the darkest time of his life. You know, I think one of the cruelest things a pastor can say to somebody that's sick. In fact, I had a very good friend who was, had broken his back. I don't forgot how it happened, all but he had broken his back and he was paraplegic. He couldn't walk. He was in a wheelchair for years, and and he had a business where he he made uh, he took vans and he turned them in with the, put lifts on them. This guy was totally paraplegic, but yet he worked all day long with wrenches and all putting these vans together. And a man walked up to him one day in his wheelchair, and he said, if you had enough faith, you could get up out of that wheelchair. And my friend Bill, he said, I, I've given it all to God. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, but I still believe him. He has a reason for me to be here. And I'm helping all these other people that need wheelchairs. And God's got me right where I need to be. See, we don't, we're not to be telling God what to do. You know, God doesn't have to heal anyone. He's the supreme ruler of the universe. He knows what's best for his children. Sometimes he doesn't heal. Well, give me a scripture for that. Well, how about 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20? Paul said... Uh, who, who, by the way, Paul had the gift of healing. Now, I know a lot of people today say they have the gift, and I question a lot of them, but Paul had the gift of healing, and he said, Trophimos, have I left at Miletus sick? How cruel of old Paul to leave his good friend Trophimos sick, and he had the gift of healing. But see, God has his reason sometimes not to heal. Just as Jesus and Lazarus, you know, Jesus could have bowed his head when they came to him and told him about Lazarus. He could have just bowed his head and Lazarus would have been healed. But God had a purpose in his death. We're not to question God. He's the Almighty, the Everlasting, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who are we? And I know that comes as a shock to some preachers. But you can't tell God what to do. We always need to say, pray for the sick. I'm not saying not to pray for the sick. You pray for the sick always, and then you leave it in God's hands. And you do all you can, and you let God do all He's going to do." Philippians 4:11, Paul said, "For I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content." And Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and most people think it was his eyesight. I don't know what it was. But I've never found in Scripture where it was ever healed. See, Paul was a very uppity guy. He was an intellect. In fact, I was listening to your class coming in, and I thought I was feeling a little inferior because some of this intellectual stuff was going on in here. Now, if you weren't here, you don't know that. (laughs) You only know what you know, right? But anyway, what's all this got to do with Father's Day? Well, not all of you here... Had a great father like Pastor Joel. I've met Pastor Joel's father. He's a great man, isn't he? As the world sees it, it might not have been the most successful, but he was a successful man. He was a good father. But not everybody here today had the benefit of a godly father. And I'm really speaking to most of you. And but so if you had one of these almost perfect fathers. Maybe you can listen to the rest of this message and help somebody else that needs some healing, some emotional healing. I can remember I was 45 years old when my dad first hugged me. I was standing in a canning plant. We had canneries all over, up in Delaware and down in Florida. And, and uh, he came up and hugged me and sincerely hugged me. And it just melted me because. In 45 years I had not really been hugged by my dad my dad professed to be a Christian but when he was four when he was 45 years old he got saved and it took him a while to come around to the grace of God because see back then he was one of the old school you know men don't hug men then you're a sissy if you hug a man and he stayed with that but I was so excited when he hugged me. So I know there's all kinds of situations here today and your father and different things that happened in your family. But sometimes Father's Day wasn't such a great day around your house. And maybe even today you you don't get too excited about Father's Day when you think about your father. But see, Jehovah Rapha is here today. And he's the God that heals you, not just physically, but he can heal your emotions. There are a lot of things worse than physical disease. There's a spiritual disease. (laughs) And y'all were talking this morning about how God can heal us of that physical sin disease that we all are born with. God made you with emotions, the very seat of your soul, your personalities, your emotions are there and many of you have some memories of abuse and memories of being abandoned and memories of in school when people called you names and there were bullies and they called you stupid and they called you all kinds of things and ugly and everything else and those names stick in your crawl and they damage your emotions. Past hatreds and past prejudices, and, and you got hidden wounds that you don't even talk about. From your family, from your friends, from an uncle. You know that four, uh, one out of four young ladies have been sexually abused. One out of five men. That's just sexual abuse. That's not even talking about all the other abuses. There's a lot of other abuses in homes but Jesus said I the wounds that I got I got in the household of my friends see friends and family and those you know and those you love are the ones that can hurt you the worst did you know that the ones you're closest to I want to give you two truths today it's a very simple message Number one, everyone has hidden wounds. Everyone has emotional wounds. If you've lived long enough, you have brokenness. And I think I heard you pray about the brokenness. We live in a broken world with broken people. There's an old uh, counseling thing, hurt people hurt people. And that's so true. Number two, emotional wounds take much longer to heal than physical wounds. But God is able to heal our very deepest wounds. In Exodus 15, God wants the children of Israel to know him. And if you've got your Bibles, you can look in there. And in verse 26, God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that turns bitterness into sweetness. And I am the God that heals not just physically, not just spiritually, but I am the God that heals your emotions, the very seed of your soul. Psalm 147, verse 3, the Lord says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. God will heal your wounds. You say, Pastor, can can God do that for me? I've been hurting for a long time. Pastor, if you you only knew my father, if you only knew my uncle, if you only knew so-and-so, and if you only knew what he did to me, Or what she did to me well God's Word tells us how does Jehovah Rapha bind up our wounds number one if God's going to turn bitterness into sweetness in your life the first thing that needs to happen is for you to reveal the offense reveal the offense here in Exodus 15 25 it says he cried unto the Lord he cried out unto the Lord and you know that's that's a very common phrase in the word of god you could find that at over and over again they cried out unto the lord he cried unto the lord and they revealed the offense james 5:14 says if any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church it's a crying out and the people are crying out to moses What shall we drink? Oh, we're thirsty. I mean, my mouth is like cotton, and it's so hot out here in this desert. And we've just left slavery, and some of them even saying, let's go back and be slaves again. This is terrible. And they'd just seen the miraculous things of God parting the Red Sea. You know, we don't take long to forget God's mercy, do we? You're never going to get well unless you face your feelings. You never know what sweetness is until you know what is bitter in your life. David, the psalmist said in Psalm 39, verse 2, I was dumb, I was mute with silence. I held my peace, even from God, and my sorrow was stirred. And verse 3 says, My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned, and then spake I with my tongue. What's David saying here? He's saying that holding on to my hurts is like carrying a hot coal in my heart if you hold on to the feelings long enough you're going to get burned not all but some of you here this morning you're using up your emotional energy on grudges of the past on resentment on guilt and grief that are from the past. You don't even have enough energy for the present, and you can't even think about what the future holds for you. And I'm sorry to tell you, but we live in this fallen world, and, it, and there's abuse of all kinds that are rampant in our world. And all you have to do is look around you and look even on the television screen every day, and all the hatred and all the vitriol and all that's being poured out, and it's all because of emotional scars and people that aren't healed inside they're angry they're angry and they haven't been healed they don't know how to love anybody don't be like that God can heal you we cook all kind of ways some people run away from emotional pain some stay so busy all the time and so you don't have to think about it. Some of you become workaholics. Some people escape into drugs and alcohol. We try to escape the pain. Some shift the blame to other people. And after all the trying and to run and escape, we discover down deep inside that we've got to reveal the offense to start to heal. You know, God gave us pain for a reason. Did you know that? Uh, aren't you thankful that when if you have a heart attack, you have pain? <laughs> Nobody would know to call 911 if you didn't have pain. God is, God made these bodies. You're talking about evolution here this morning. And and see, God, I had a doctor tell me, he said, you know, I was in medical school and I said, I asked him, I said, Well, are you a Christian? I said, Yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, Why? He Because when medical school, when I studied, I, all these different things, I was a surgeon and I started finding out. That The body knew how to heal itself, and the body knew when to stop healing. Now, that all came from nothing, right? I mean, the black hole, that's just the black hole theory. Brother, if you believe that, you got, all oh, a lot more faith than I got. A lot more faith. I just believe that God did it. And God knows about it. I mean, there's evidence of that. A, a, intelligent design now he made me that's a little questionable but (laughs) well you got to be honest number two you got to be honest about your pain god gave us pain as a gift pain is a warning that something is wrong and needs to be fixed and you need to be honest about your fear and your anger and your resentment and your bitterness And all that's building up inside of you. Well, that's what they did here. They were extremely thirsty, and they cried out to the Lord, and they were honest. Number three, you need to be honest not only crying out. you You need to be honest with yourself, and you need to be honest with God. God, this hurts. God, this is painful. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. The worst kind of deception is when you try to deceive God. You know, some people are so good at rationalizing their problems, they can deceive themselves. And you know, when you're deceived, guess what? You don't know it. (laughs) But God can't be deceived. You can't deceive God. He knows everything about you. You need to be honest with God, be honest with yourself. In Isaiah 53, look at verse 3. It says, "He, Jesus talking about Jesus, this is prophetic here, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief." And the Hebrew word there for acquainted is yada. And it means intimate knowledge, like the man a man knows his wife. And Jesus knows about your pain this morning. He knows about your grief. And don't let the devil tell you that God doesn't care about you this morning or he doesn't understand your pain. He understands everything about you. He knows you intimately. He, he knows all about you and he knows you better than you know yourself. See, you've never been praying in, in a prayer and God says, oh my goodness, I didn't know J- Joe had that problem. <laughs> God never, never, never says that. God knows everything about you. He he knows what you need to pray before you pray. The prayer's not for God, the prayer's for you. That's why you need to pray. Job said in Job 18 4, He teareth Himself in His anger. And that word teareth in the Hebrew there means He ripped. He ripped Himself in His anger. When you hold on to anger inside, Job said, you tear yourself with that anger and you're hurting yourself. And it needs to be dealt with. So we need to reveal the feelings. We need to be honest about the pain. We need to be honest with ourselves and with God. And here's the last one. We need to release the offender. Now here's the big, that's the big one. You gotta release the offender. You can't get well as long as you harbor unforgiveness and resentment. Because a root of bitterness comes up in your life. God heals physically and God heals spiritually, but God heals emotionally. It's okay to ask God why. Jesus asked why. He said, why God? Why hast thou forsaken me? I know you felt forsaken. But see, we said we have a good God. We sang it this morning. He's a good God. He loves you. Well, why is all this pain here? Well, I know this is, I don't know how much time I got, Joel, but I had people, I said at my desk many times, well, Pastor, why is there evil in the world? Why is all this pain? Why did this happen to me? Because God loves you so much that he wanted to give you a choice to love him or not. Now, you're sitting next to that young lady there now. I know you. She has a choice. She can love you or hit you. Sometimes she, huh? She what? do both? They do. But here's the thing, friend. What makes my wife and I? We've been married 50 years, 51 years, old. We were, we were little children when we got married. I'm 70, almost 71, but anyway, what makes her love so special is she chose to love me and I chose to love her. And see, when God gave us a choice, he knew we would make bad choices. He knew it was a fallen world. But he wanted a relationship with us so bad that he gave us a choice. And evil came into the world. Well, that's another side story. I wasn't going to talk about that. See, God is the key to the solution here. There comes a point in this process when you have to ask the question, do you want to get well or do you want to get even? Pastor, I just can't can't let them get away with it. I mean, if I forgive them, I'm letting them get away with it. No, you aren't. Isaiah 53:7. Did Jesus get even? Look at, verse, look at verse 7 if you're still there. He says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus never got even. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus offered forgiveness. Let me ask you a question. Some of you, the emotional pain and resentment that you carry around all the time, the thing that someone has done to you, are you willing to say, Father, forgive them? You say they don't deserve it. what do you deserve (laughs) what do we deserve you can never be free in the future as long as you're stuck in the past you can't live in the present if you're stuck in the past enslaved in the past like the children of Israel Psalm 12, you want to turn there. It says you, you can't hold on to all that bitterness and hurt and enjoy your life. Romans 12, verse 17 it says, Recompense, or that means repay. No man evil for evil, but provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Have you ever gotten in between God and His wanting to do something? (laughs) Boy, I have. I'm going to do that no more. No way. You're going to get hurt. If you get in between God and His judgment, you will get hurt. What did Jesus do on the cross? 1 Peter 2, verse 23 Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. And watch this. By whose stripes we are healed. Psalm 56. The context here is being dead to sin over here, but, but you can be made alive, spiritually alive to righteousness. In Psalm 56 and verse 8, God gives us a verse here for the hurting. I love this verse, and I'm sure you've noted, you've probably preached on this, Joel, but it says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? God numbers your wanderings. He knows your pain and your sorrow. He puts your very tears in a bottle of remembrance. It's recorded in a book. You say, God records the tears. Does God have a book for tears? Well, he has three books. He has a book of remembrance. He has a book of reward. And he has a book of redemption. And that's another an, Another message. But every one of your tears has been recorded by God and you don't think God knows about your agony and your pain that you're going through today. God says, I have kept every tear. I've put them all down in my book and they're precious to me. There's a reason that you hold on to your pain. You know why? Because you think they're going to get away with it. We said that before. No, no. God is, not, is going to remember. They aren't going to get away with anything. God says, vengeance is mine. Jesus had pain, did you know that? He had head wound, he had hand wounds, he had his back was torn apart to the bone, his side was pierced. But you know what the greatest wound that Jesus had? It wasn't physical. It was that three-and-a-half hours on the cross, that day when the earth became dark in the middle of the day. And every sin that you and I and everybody else was poured out on him. Can you imagine the precious, holy Son of God took my sin, took your sin? That's the emotional pain of a God who has emotion. You say, well, God's not emotional. Oh, yeah. We're made in the image of God. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be abused. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We should forgive because we've been forgiven. can't have that bitterness take over you know when you when you won't forgive somebody I had something recently happen. Pastor Joel knows a little bit about this but in my church there was just one or two people when I left I got a new preacher and uh, things didn't go very well and and I didn't I tried to help the young man but anyway long story short I got accused of running people off because a lot of people left but you know I didn't tell anybody to leave but people will accuse you falsely but I had to forgive those people. You know why I had to forgive them? Because a root of bitterness began to swell up in me. And if you don't forgive that person, you become bitter. And guess what? They, you allow them to control your life. If you don't forgive, they will control your life. You say, no, no, Pastor. That's not. Oh, yeah, think about it right now. If you're harboring unforgiveness right now, somebody is putting control on your life. You know what? Forgiveness. I got this long time ago, and I don't even know where it came from, but it's not me. I won't take credit of it, but in counseling, I use this all the time about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You might want to write this down if you don't know it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not pretending that you were not hurt. I was hurt. Forgiveness has nothing to do with pretending that you're not hurt. It's not accepting what someone did to you as right. That's not forgiveness. It is not automatically trusting the other person. How many times have I sat in a counseling session with with a, a woman or a man across, and there's been infidelity, and I said, Trust has been broken. And when you break trust, guess what? It takes time to build it back. And it's not automatically trusting that person when you forgive them. That's not what's happening. It's not relieving the other person of their responsibility. That's not what what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, listen, this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the medicine to cure resentment and anger and bitterness. Forgiveness is your decision. It's a decision that you have to make. It's being obedient to God. It's obeying God. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Matthew 6, 14. There's a promise here. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What a wonderful promise. Oswald Chambers said you can learn more in five minutes of obedience than you can in ten years of study. Verse 15 is a warning But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive their trespasses. What a powerful warning. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many will be defiled. Maybe you grew up with somebody that abused you, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, a cousin, a neighbor. Don't let them keep controlling you. The cycle has to be broken. Somewhere, you've got to forgive and release that person that offended you. Back in Exodus 15, 25, when they cried out unto the Lord, the Lord showed them a tree. And there are all kinds of trees, types in the Old Testament that, you know, relate to the New Testament. And this is where I believe it's a true one. There's only one thing that can take bitterness and turn it into sweetness, and that's the cross. There's only one thing that makes sense when it comes to injustice, when it comes to slavery, when it comes to rejection, when it comes to ridicule, when it comes to abuse, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. So I want you to see the tree this morning. Because Moses took that tree that had been cut down and he put it into that bitter water, and it became sweet. You know, the brain's an amazing thing. If I blindfolded you and I held a rose up, you could, you could tell it was a rose, couldn't you? Why? Because you smelled a rose before, hadn't you? Well, sometimes some things happens in your life and it's like deja vu and all of a sudden something's happening and this old bad thing, these old bad thoughts and somebody was calling you stupid and yelling at you and beating on you and, and, all, and you, can, you, you can close your eyes and you can, you can feel it. You got to let go of it. You got to forgive. And that's hard to do. They called you ugly. They called you stupid. And Satan has used that abuse in your life to defeat your Christian life, to keep you from being victorious in your life because of that unforgiveness and that bitterness that's in your heart. God says you're going to have to replace those words, those memories, with God's truth. And here, this is your homework. I'm going to give this to you. I want you to go home. Write this down. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. You ought to take this. This is something every Christian, I think, should read at least once a month, these verses. And here, I'm not going to read them because of time. I know I'm taking a lot of your time. But here's what's in these verses, and I want you to go home and read them. In verse 3, it says, You are blessed with all spiritual blessings. If you're a child of God, you are blessed with everything you need spiritually. Verse 4 says, you are holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5 says, you are adopted as one of the children of God. You're in God's family. You can't leave God's family. Once you're in God's family, you're God's child. Joel has four children. They will always be his children. They're dear children. They're wonderful. And I had a good time with Chapman, right? Do you call him Chap? Okay. Anyway, but... You're part of God's family. And He is your Father. This is about Father's Day. God is my Father. God is a Father to the fatherless. Verse 6, you are accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7, you have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. The blood of Christ is applied to your life and, and God sees you as perfectly clean and pure And the 8th verse says, He hath given you all wisdom and understanding. That's who you are. If you're a child of God this morning, you go back. And when the devil starts to condemn you, do you know something? God the Holy Spirit never condemns His children. Paul said that. There is no condemnation in Christ. God the Holy Spirit convicts you. He convicts me when I talk to my wife the wrong way and... And he doesn't doesn't come down and say, you're no good. You'll never be a good Christian. No, he says, Richard, you're a pastor. (laughs) And you broke my heart when you spoke to your wife the way you did yesterday. That's conviction. God won't condemn you. He convicts us in a loving Father. He's the loving Father that convicts us of our sins. You know, psychologists have said that your self-worth can be measured by what the most important person in your life thinks about you. Do you know who should be the most important person in your life? Jesus. Make him the most important person in your life. And this is what he thinks about you. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 3 through 8 this week. You go this week. God will bless your heart. God does not believe that I'm stupid. He doesn't believe that I'm worthless. He doesn't believe that I deserve to be abused. God says that you're valuable today. God says that you're accepted today. God says that you're loved today. God says, I can use you to further my kingdom. So you have two choices this morning. You can continue to stay in that abuse and become bitter and more bitter or you can forgive and you can let God heal you. God, Jehovah Rapha, he is the God that healeth you. Even your very soul. Well, I want us to stand for just a moment and Pastor Joel, I don't know, he's going he's to come for a moment, I think, but Job eleven thirteen 13 says, If thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hand toward him, if sin be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tent. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shalt not fear, because thou shalt forget thy misery and remember it as the waters that pass away. God can heal you. He's the great healer. Thank you for the privilege of speaking to you today. God bless you.